Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Get That Bread, a podcast discussing value investing strategies. I want to show you something a little crazy as far as how much Newell crap I actually own. Uh, so what I got here, I got like five of these. These are Yankee candles. Can't really see it that well. I got a, a Sunbeam mixer from like 1990. I got a Contigo little water bottle. I got a Mr. Coffee. I got a Mr. Coffee. It's like holding up all my um, markers here. I got some Elmer's glue. I got tons and tons and tons and tons of Sharpies. Something that's not here. I got like a Marmot jacket. Like I got like three of them. I definitely have three of them somewhere in the house and I just can't find them uh i also just threw away um a coleman a coleman cooler just yesterday damn Noel, i freaking you owe me freaking money i i i own so much crap from you guys so uh the reason why i wanted to show you is because i think it's pretty interesting to think about right here's this huge company where um so many u.s households they have Newell branded goods and yet at the same time the stock is just being crushed and hammered so i think that's um i think it's an interesting value opportunity to talk about so let's unpack that okay so let's talk about Newell brands ticker symbol nwl and so Newell brands is a consumer products company with leading brands in each of its respective markets. So it usually occupies the number one or the number two market share position here in the United States. So um, like I just kind of walked through in the intro, think Elmer's Glue, uh, Sharpie, Coleman's, Mr. Coffee, um, uh, Marmot, uh, and a slew of other brands that um, are in so many US households. Newell is essentially a recapitalization play. So what I mean by that, its mix is its mix of equity and debt is dramatically changing, largely due to uh, its nine billion dollar after-tax divestiture program. So it's going to take those proceeds after selling um, large swaths of this business. It's going to generate nine billion dollars in, in after-tax proceeds and then devote um, part of that, so about four billion dollars, into paying down debt. And then the remaining five billion dollar balance to um, most likely towards a capital return program via a share buyback, and so yet despite despite this kind of um, development, investor confidence in the company has waned pretty dramatically uh, over the last year. So the the stock price is currently trading about fifty percent off of its fifty two week high of about twenty nine to thirty dollars per share. So it's kind of trading in that. $15 and $15 and change range right now. And part of that, or a lot of that has to do with a lot of headline risk, a lot of negative news that's kind of swirling around uh, the company. Uh, firstly, the company's um, kind of been missing earnings and sales expectations. Uh, there's been a lot of poor communication in my view from on part of management to the investment community, specifically around future economic targets. Uh, there's been a, quite a bit of unclear accounting around the company, so the company has continued to restate its financials. And uh, lastly, uh, and kind of most shockingly, uh, top management has been rotating out of the company. So it's kind of it's kind of signals to the investment community that there's 
there, there may be a lack of cohesiveness between um, the executive manager team and the board. And so that, those are kind of negative uh, signals for the investment community. Yet, you know, arguably, interestingly enough, therein, therein lies the, uh, the enormous opportunity in this particular company. So you have a lot of this headline risk and it's kind of you have these rain clouds over the company. And but post transaction, post all of the dust settling, I think what's, what you have is a really, really sound company. So with the company's divestiture program, pretty much more than halfway through with the remaining, f so they've already done about $5 billion in transactions and you have about $4 billion on the way, which is anticipated to be completed by year end 2019. Um, you know, what you have, what remains in the aftermath is like I said, a really interesting and sound business. So the reason why I believe that to be the case is because you actually have a business uh, with like I said, market-leading brands that generates returns on capital of 30%. And that shouldn't be brushed aside too lightly because not too, too many businesses can generate 30% returns on invested capital. That's actually quite an exceptional number. So what are these near-term headwinds? So some of these near-term headwinds involve, you know, China tariffs, uh, currency headwinds, um, relatively recent liquidation of Toys R Us and the consolidation of some of uh, Newell's retail channel, distribution channel partners, uh, among other factors, these kind of developments have been weighing on the, the underlying operating uh, and economic uh, performance of the company and on the stock valuation overall. But in my view, if you were to really think about these line items or, or these, these risks, they're quite temporary in nature. So once all the dust settles, I think what you have is a very sound and a very compelling business with uh, like these really powerful brands. So based on uh, you know three valuation methodologies, uh, a discounted cash flow or short in short DCF utilizing a nine percent discount rate, um, peer group comparables, so a, a basket of peer uh, consumer product companies, and in addition to that. Um, if you were to apply the takeout multiples that Newell's been able to garner on its divested businesses, if you were to apply those multiples on the wider organization, you know, kind of just walk, thinking through all three of those value, uh, valuation methodologies and, and where the valuations um, kind of end up, you get an intrinsic value range of about $28 to $40 per share in my estimation. So that compares again to where current market prices are trading at as of the date of this recording of $15.30 per share. So that kind of gives you an implied upside range of somewhere between 83 to 116% upside in my view and based on my estimates. So quite an interesting play. Now, one thing about um, the, the upper range of the uh, estimated intrinsic value range, it pretty much assumes more optimistic, uh, normalized earnings and profitability expectations for the company. And so uh, that's how you get to the, the $40, probably the $38 to $40 per share range. Also, if you were to kind of just cross-check that valuation, um, if you were to consider where the company was valued at um, at year-end 2017, which is pretty much right before or right around the time, yeah, year-end, calendar year-end 2017, the company was trading at um, about roughly on $24.6 billion, including debt. So on an enterprise value basis, it was valued at $24.6 billion. 
Now, if you were to subtract out um, the $9 billion divestiture program, okay, the assets are going to shrink from uh, $24.6 billion to about $15.6 billion. So that should be the asset value of what remains. Now, we know that $9 billion, that with that $9 billion, the company is going to devote $4 billion to um, debt pay down, $5 billion to capital return. So if you were to consider where the debt position was at year end 2017 and where it's anticipated to be, uh, you're going to get you're going to you're going to go from about 10.5 billion dollars in debt to about 6.5 billion dollars in debt. And in addition to that, with five billion dollars in capital return, the company could, in my estimation, um, decrease the share count from 2017 um, year end uh, to you know going forward into the future. Uh, by about 42%. So you should see share count, shares outstanding go from about roughly around 488 million to about 281.7 million, somewhere around that ballpark. And so you're gonna have um, a pretty significant decline in the shares outstanding. So that implies um, more earnings accretion per on a per share basis. And so if you were to kind of reverse engineer um, the math, at least insofar as what the implied equity value of this company should be, if the if the whole asset was trading at 15.6 billion, we have 15.6 billion minus the 6.5. That leaves you about a market capitalization of 9.1 billion. And now, if you have a market capitalization of 9.1 billion, divide that by the new anticipated share count, which you should have after the five billion dollars have been utilized to, to buy back shares, you get a share price of about $32 per share, which is kind of right in the intrinsic value range of where um, where, where I think the company should trade. So again, that compares with uh, where the share price of this company is tr currently trading at, at around $15.30 per share. That's quite a bit of upside and a quite a bit of margin of safety in my view. Lastly, if you were to consider what CEO Michael Polk stated on the third quarter 2017 earnings conference call, I want you to, uh, it's kind of encouraging to hear what he said. So let me just read that for you real quick. So Michael Polk stated at 16, 17, $18 a share, we're deep value right now. So this is a sale of a lifetime, which is exciting in some ways when which is exciting in some ways. When we did our original work and thought about where our share price was going to be when the proceeds became available, we weren't ever envisioning a $16 share or $17 share or $18 a share price. So that's kind of kind of interesting and encouraging to think about um, regarding this particular company and kind of gives you a little context where I, I think uh, where management believes the intrinsic value ought to be. I think that implies that, you know, even management thought that intrinsic value ought to be way north of where it's currently trading at. But with all of that being said, there is no sure thing. And um, I want to highlight the risks because I think it's a responsible thing to do whenever you're discussing a particular stock that you're interested in, in discussing or, or examining. And the risks are real. They're quite, you know, they, they should be considered very seriously. So some of these risks is the fact that Michael CEO Michael Polk, who who just, you know, made that quote about um, the share price being relatively low, uh, he's he's currently it just recently came out uh, on March 14, 2019, that he'll be stepping down from his role as CEO 
come uh, the end of second quarter 2019. So that kind of gives you a picture again, like I said, of, you know, it signals, is there really a deep level of cohesion between uh, the management team and, and the board of directors? And that kind of could shed some light on uh, the future or the, the near to intermediate term prospects around some of the strategic changes that, that are going to occur at the company. So in addition to that, um, you know, China, uh, U.S. relations with China and spe specifically regarding tariffs is a pretty material uh, concern to be on top of. I think in 2019, the company's already anticipating, due to the tariffs, they're already anticipating $100 million in, in operating margin headwinds. So profitability-wise, you have a $100 million headwind due to these tariffs. Now, in addition to that, if certain now in addition to that other risks also involve uh if uh certain uh, retail trade partners like say staples or office depot uh, undergo further consolidation or if they undergo bankruptcy uh that could that could meaningfully hurt business and, and therefore profitability and therefore in turn valuations in the company also, um, another risk is if the company, so like I said before, the company still has about $4 billion in uh, divestiture proceeds that are anticipated to come flow through. If the company doesn't uh, execute on selling the remaining balance of its assets, that could materially change um, valuation estimates. So that is a real concern because originally when the company announced its divestiture plan, uh, it's updated divestiture plan, uh, known as the Accelerated Transformation Plan. When the company announced it, they were anticipating $10 billion in after-tax proceeds. But since that time, when they first announced that in, in early 2018, they've had to update that and decrease it by 10%. So instead of $10 billion, they're now anticipating $9 billion. And so that that could be that kind of should signal to people that. Um, there is a chance that the company may not be able to divest uh, or, or successfully divest the remaining $4 billion in, in their divestiture program. And lastly, you know, I think this is more of a macro uh, risk. I think um, the very fact that we are in a 10-year, I think nearly a 10-year bull run should signal to investors that, okay, how much more... Um, how much more runway do we have? In addition to that, with um, I'm not sure if it's still the case today, but we recently had a scenario where we were in a flattening yield curve environment, which should signal um, that a recession could possibly be on the horizon, especially if it were to invert. Uh, I think that's a that's kind of a, a, an interesting or a scary development that could occur. And now, um, with you know. Newell Brands top line sales tracking where GDP United United States GDP growth um, uh, is performing. If the United States economy were to undergo a downturn, that could obviously have negative implications on on the stock. So these are some you know these are some risks that you have to consider, especially when you're thinking about investing in a specific stock as an active investor. So I definitely want to highlight those to you at first at first and, and for you to be aware of those things and so as you kind of do your own fundamental analysis and your own research be aware of the risks uh, of the stocks that you're involved with okay so here is kind of the background story regarding Newell so I think I want to rewind the clock back to uh, 2016 so 2016 Newell underwent a dramatic change where it acquired uh, Jardin Corporation for about $13.2 billion. So this compared with Newell's 
total asset value or inter- enterprise value at year in 2015 about 13.9 billion. So while the transaction more than doubled sales, Newell um, actually continued to miss earnings um, targets thereafter. And so the transaction was, um, wasn't necessarily all that management thought it would be at, at the onset. And in addition to that, uh, the company dramatically uh, overextended uh, its balance sheet. So it quadrupled its debt and it increased its share count by about 80%. So it diluted share count um, in, in, a min- in a really meaningful way. So in addition to that, like I said, according to the Wall Street Journal, in the ensuing years, the company continued to miss revenue targets in the wake of this major uh, acquisition. So fast forward to um, the fourth quarter uh, 2017 earnings conference call, and management comes out with its transformation plan. A transformation plan where it wanted to divest about $6 billion in assets and return the company back to the profitability levels of where it used to be uh, prior to the transaction and um, kind of um, simplify the organization of the uh, of the company such that it can return to that profitable level and then return um, return part of that six billion dollars in proceeds to, to shareholders and also um, to to delever the balance sheet okay so come early 2018 around the March time frame what you have is a, an interesting scenario where a very famous investor by the name of Carl icon gets involved with Newell brands he discloses through what's called a form uh, or a 13D filing that he has a 7% interest in the company. Shortly thereafter, uh, management comes out with um, uh, a, a, what's called an accelerated transformation plan, which is their, the updated transformation plan where they're indicating that they want to now pursue $10 billion in asset divestitures versus the previous $6 billion. Uh, keep in mind that that $10 billion was later on adjusted down to $9 billion. And you know, that accelerated divestiture plan was likely largely due to the fact that Carl Icahn got involved. Now, you know, subsequent to that occurring, Carl Icahn actually did in fact increase his stake in the company from 7% up to 10% um, as the stock price was going down throughout the year. And the stock price was, as as I said earlier, was going down largely due to a lot of headline risk, you know, a lot of negative news. And so um, in addition to that, along the way, Carl Icahn pretty much garnered five out of 12 board seats. So it kind of gives you a little picture of how much skin he has in the game and, and how um, how invested he is in this particular company. And I think it's interesting to consider and think about because he is a very famous and successful investor. And I think it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's an incremental positive to be on the same side uh, in terms of the bet or investment as, as a renowned investor like Carl Icahn. If you were to kind of just uh, read between the lines insofar as what management is trying to do with uh, the company, it looks like they're trying to reverse engineer the Newell acquisition of Jardin Corporation back in 2016. So it looks largely because, you know, they're separating huge swaths of the uh, of the business, these non-core assets, and they're deleveraging the balance sheet and they're buying back shares. So they're reducing the share count. And so it looks like they want to get back to where they were, at least from a profitability standpoint and from a capital structure standpoint, um, where they were back in 2015. And if they are successful in achieving that, 
I just want to highlight that at year end 2015, Newell stock uh, closed out the year at about $41 per share. So it's kind of interesting to consider, um, especially if the management team is successful in it, in, in achieving um, the full extent of how profitable this company can be and where it can return to. Okay, so now let's dive into kind of the research process. How do I stumble into this particular opportunity? How did I think about this stock? And, um, you know, how, how did this idea come about? And so, uh, and part of this section is really more towards the, the newer folks to, to investing. And I kind of want you to walk through how particular ideas can you can stumble across them. So the way I kind of found out about this particular opportunity wasn't through a stock screener, um, like I talk about in, in, in my earlier podcast episodes, but I came upon it through reading the Wall Street Journal. And so in one of their earlier articles, or rather in one of their articles, I think in November or October of last year, they were talking about how um, Newell was pursuing this $10 billion asset divestiture program. When I saw that number, $10 billion, I knew that's not a small chunk of change. So I immediately, the next thing I wanted to do was check how big is the company, meaning like how on an enterprise value and a market capitalization basis, how big is this company and how big is this asset divestiture program relative to the size of the company? Because if it was meaningful enough, then you know the company and the management team can do pretty interesting things with the capital structure and probably return a lot of value back to shareholders. And so um, I did a quick search on Yahoo Finance. I know the statistics on Yahoo Finance um, may not necessarily be the most accurate, but it's just kind of a, a rough proxy for me to gauge, okay, how, how meaningful is this thing? So I immediately realized that um, at the time, the company had a at the time, at around November, December uh, of last year, the company had a market capitalization, or rather an enterprise value of about $15 billion, and a market capitalization of around $9 billion. So that implied a net deposition of $6 billion. So here's $6 billion in net debt. Here's $9 billion in um, proceeds that could be generated from the sale of these, of parts of this business. So. You have $9 billion in cash coming in. You have $6 billion in net debt. You could, hypothetically, you could wipe away, wipe off all the debts of the company. And if that were to be the case, uh, and still have some cash left over, and if that were to be the case, your market value would be in t- would trade in tandem with where the enterprise value is. So you, you could kind of theoretically presuppose and make that leap and, and, and assume that if the market capitalization is nine billion, I wipe out all the debt. I could be trading at an enterprise value. I could trade. I could have the market capitalization trade in tandem or in line with where the enterprise value is at fifteen billion. That's quite an interesting um, scenario. So uh, those were just some hypothetical leaps that I, I had made while thinking through and reading the article and looking this up on Yahoo Finance. I didn't know what the company was going to do with the cash. So um, that wasn't the end-all, be-all to my research. I I started asking, I realized that it's worthwhile to ask more questions and to dig and pull the strings. And so the next um, place for me to go was, what is this whole program about? Uh, what, What does management intend to do with the cash? And so the next place for me was to look at the investor relations page, because most likely, 
oftentimes um, management teams that have investor relations desks, they actually, you know, they put together investor presentation slides and kind of show you what the intent of uh, management is. So I went quickly to uh, Newell Brand's investor relations page, pulled up all the presentation slides, pulled up the um, earnings releases related to the company over the last year, and I just started kind of immersing myself and in, in reading into um, reading into what this whole transformation, accelerated transformation, or ATP plan is all about. And so, you know, the next logical place to go. At, oh, l- let me backtrack a little bit there. But so along the way, I realized, okay, they're going to take ten billion dollars at the time which again, like I said, is updated to $9 billion now, they were gonna devote about 45% of it to debt pay down, 55% of it to um, share buybacks. That's very meaningful, very, very meaningful. And so um, I wanted to learn more. Well, where do you go to get um, more information on the company? You have to go to the SEC and you have to pull up a lot of um, documentation that's gonna be necessary for you to make an informed decision and for you to kind of put the mosaic of this company together to to arrive at what is the whole picture of this company look like and so the place to go is sec edgar it's a public database where publicly traded companies have to disclose all material information to their investor base so i pulled up the ak's 10 q's 10 k's uh 13d filings um 13d filings for carl icon why he got involved and whatnot, and at what price points he got involved. And so, um, just a little caveat, uh, Carl Icahn, he initial, at the initial onset, he got involved at $26 per share. And then later on through the year, he started buying more uh, as the stock started declining. And I think the most recent 13D adjusted filing, he got involved at $20.50 a share. That kind of gives you a picture of at what price points he's willing to buy into relative to where the stock price is at right now. You, I'm not telling you to get involved, but I'm just saying that the stock price is below where Carl Icahn is, is willing to get involved. So I think that's kind of informative or sig- signals to us like where, you know, where he thinks probably intrinsic value is. So anyways, let me just circle back to kind of how I thought about an approach to research process. So I pulled up all the filings, and so, you know, the AKs, it'll, AKs are all material new information that the company discloses. And so it's, it can be a lot of things, but occasionally some of the AKs involves earnings releases. So I, I read those, I read the earnings transcripts, uh, and I, like I said, yeah, I immersed myself into the uh, financial picture of this company, and I used the data from all of these filings to build a financial model. Um, I kind of established the historical picture of what this company looked like, I think from 2012 to 2017, and then built out my future projections out into, I think like 2022, 2022 and 2023, and then I kind of figured out what the normalized earnings expectations are. So I pretty much figured out that this past, decade maybe 2011 to 2016-ish was their peak performance time they were generating operating margins of uh, i think like north of around 13 to 14 percent i think they tipped they peaked at around like 15 percent operating margins and that's where valuations were very very high and then post transaction with jordan corporation you have a situation where management kind of bit off too much uh, more than they could chew and they 
they're in the situation they're trying to reverse engineer everything and now I think based on where, you know, essentially where the company could return to based on a normalized earnings expectation and, and assigning the valuation of where the company ought to be based on normalized earnings, I um, I kind of arrived at my valuation range, which was about 28 to $40 per share. How did I do that? Well, I built the financial model. How did I build the financial model? It came from the 10K, 10Q earnings releases, transcripts, uh, company guidance, Guidance is where a company, uh, the management team, like kind of projects out what they anticipate they're going to be achieving. They don't always hit those targets, but it's again guidance, um, and so it kind of gives you a picture of where the company could be or where it could likely be. Um, again, they don't always hit those guidance targets. So that's kind of how I approached Null Brands, and so hopefully this was helpful to you. I'm going to make this financial model, the financial model that I built and the valuation work uh, behind it, uh, or that I extrapolated from the financial model. I'm gonna make it public to you guys. It's, it's totally free. It's for educational purposes only. Uh, I'm not going to update this financial model for future use. It's just there for you to kind of tinker with, look at the assumptions, and kind of get more familiarized with looking at a financial model and interpreting the information that's on there. And so I just wanted to throw that out for you. For you. I put the link to the financial model in the, in the bottom below and I may, may not, just based on what people want, I may attach the notes to this whole conversation. It's just, again, it's all for you guys to kind of critically walk through uh, a stock and think about what are the necessary questions that need to be addressed, um, specifically around valuation and where the price trades relative to your your um, conclusion about where the valuation ought to be and so that's um, that's all there for you I hope it's been useful for you guys but if it has been useful for you guys uh, I hope that you um, you know leave a comment uh, give me some encouragement <laughs> give uh, give me a like uh, subscribe tell your friends out there that this uh, resource is out there for you guys to take advantage of and uh, this this is all going to be you know the content is also available on podcasts uh, wherever you get your podcasts from and so uh, yeah uh, let me know what you think uh, let me know if you disagree with this particular opportunity and so let's uh, let's talk about it all right okay I'll talk to you guys later Bye. the opinions expressed in this podcast reflects the opinions of the presenter at the time they were made and are subject to change any time after the date of the podcast's production without notice these opinions are not intended to be a forecast of future events a guarantee of future results or investment advice this podcast is for educational purposes only while the statements made in this podcast is based on publicly available information and is believed to be accurate as of the date given no representation is made with regard to its accuracy or completeness. This podcast and the affiliated content are neither an offer nor a solicitation to buy or sell securities. The presenter and its affiliates may directly hold securities mentioned in this material.